Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today is a special guest by the name of Tricia Hefner. And here's a little bit more about my guest, Tricia. So Tricia Hefner has been called a brave and innovative voice with a sensibility that soars across galaxies, per Michelle Bitting. Her work has been published in award-winning journals such as the Cincinnati Review, Perennis Fountain, Poet Lore, and Rattle, just to name a few, and has won awards as diverse as the Robert and Adele Schiff Poetry Prize, a Pushcart nomination, and the Alien Slot Sex, ASS. Award in two in 2011. She is also the author of two chap books, The Lone Breakable Night and Take This Longing. Since 2012, the Poetry Salon has grown in size, service, and reputation, assisting more than a hundred of Los Angeles top poets in refining their work and getting it published. Through one-day workshops, eight-week workshops, writers' retreats, and independent editing and manuscript services, the offerings of the salon have been, have been, and become a one-stop center for serious poets from all walks of life. Tricia created the salon to be a safe space for high energy to make friends, build community, and share one's love of the art. Tricia holds an MA in psychology in the psychology of creativity from Saybrook University and often tells her classes that she began writing only so she could have the credentials to teach workshops to other innovative writers and poets. The joy of teaching, she says, is equal to the joy of writing and better because it gives you a chance to meet with learn about and celebrate your fellow artists and rediscover the world through her eyes as well as through their eyes because it's a collaboration y'all so without further ado please welcome Tricia Hefner to GEMS podcast thank you for having me um I should have sent you a shorter bio I'm sorry I made you read through all of that (laughs) my my pleasure. I, I've since told my guests to um, send bios that are at least 100 to 250 to 300 words max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you did a great job. And uh, yeah, I have to kind of laugh a little bit at the Alien Sloth Sex Award. Uh, <laughs> I'm grateful that I won it, but you know, it does sound a little funny on my bio and I have to warn people like, yeah, there's a, there's a swear word in my bio. <laughs> So we're going to dive into the interview, Tricia, but I definitely want to give the audience a chance to connect with you in a fun way. So we're going to do that via the icebreaker, since we don't necessarily have time for the rapid fire game, since you have a back end. So I want you to share something crazy that you have done in your life or a fun and interesting fact about yourself. Yeah, well, this one's easy. Um, My first job was as a professional clown 
uh, I used to twist balloon animals and uh, do face painting for, for cold, hard cash. And um, that was my first job. And uh, I still have my clown costume and I still have my clown makeup in storage somewhere. Interesting. <laughs> so what made you pick um, being a clown? Uh, yeah, it's really funny. Like, um, my school had a career fair and, uh, one of my friends was like, oh, did you see there's a clown at the career fair and she's, um, hiring and training teenagers to do some balloon animals for kids' birthday parties. And I said, that's ridiculous. And she said something like, yeah, and they pay like, you know, $40 an hour. And I said, that's great. And I turned around and went back and signed up for training as a clown. And um, yeah, it actually has been like one of the more high paying jobs uh, that I've ever had. So uh, that was a good idea to start off with. And, um, and I loved it. It was really, really fun. And shout out to Sparkles of Sparkles, the clowning company. Amazing. And now let's dive into the work that you're doing now with the poetry salon and etc. So why did you choose to select the name the poetry salon? Oh my gosh, that was actually so long ago. I can't tell you. I don't think I have an answer for that. Um, yeah, I, I started uh, teaching the poetry salon over 10 years ago and I didn't exactly have a name for it or I think I did but it was um yeah I originally called it out of the blue because I thought of like the creative epiphany sometimes comes like a bolt out of the blue but it, it also meant to me like getting out of your blues out of your sadness uh because the creative process has always been a good way of getting out of your um, funk sometimes. Uh, and that's what I had originally called it. But I think that was like, it was just too narrow. And so at some point I just said, you know, this is like Gertrude Stein's salon, you invite uh, other really well, you know, well-heeled poets and really intelligent people into your group. And then, you know, you talk and you discuss. And so the salon made a lot more sense, I think. I didn't have to explain it to people. Everyone knows what a salon is. <laughs> awesome. And I know one of your uh, niche areas is to help people have a creative breakthrough when writing a poem. So how exactly do you go about doing that? Like, give us a glimpse of your playbook. Yeah, you know, it's really... Um... It's really funny because I was actually watching uh, Hacks the other night, and uh, here I'll just give a shout out to it. Hacks is a great TV show with, um, oh, I'm going to screw up their names now. Uh, anyways, it's a great TV show about a young writer and an older comedian, um, and she's trying to develop new work and get kind of out of her funk and out of her rut with creativity, and she keeps telling this story and it keeps just not hitting and not landing. And she's like, at one point she's saying something like, you know, that was the worst moment of my life. And then she's on stage and she's about ready to say that was the worst moment of my life. And she has this epiphany. She's like, you know what? It actually wasn't the worst moment of my life. The worst moment of my life was not when my husband left me. It was when I didn't get the TV gig that I wanted. And like, she starts going off on all of these things that are like the truth. You know, she had been trying to tell the story that made sense and that she thought she needed to say, 
and it just wasn't true for her. And so she like questions what she's originally saying. She questions her original premises. And then, you know, huge creative breakthrough. And then she says all these other important things. Um, I think that's a big part of what uh, I do in the poetry salon is um, I help people when they're kind of stuck in one mode of thinking. I ask them like, well, are all of these things true? Is there some different way of looking at this? Uh, what if you didn't say this? What else could you say instead? And just getting people to think about something in a different way, questioning their own assumptions. And then often that will lead to a breakthrough. Um, but it's not one size fits all, you know? <clears throat> it's not um, paint by number, it's not poetry by number. So it's never, like there's never just one magic pill that cures all the problems. So, you know, a lot of the time it's a little dance around to find the right question or the right attitude that's going to break someone out of a rut and get them thinking about things in a more truthful, honest way. Mm, okay, super cool. So you ask them some questions to really get them to think beyond the surface level and really dig deep in order for them to truly embrace their inner creativity. Because sometimes as writers, myself included, because um, I've written two books, and I have three book collaborations and a fourth one on the way, is sometimes we can have writer's block where we get stuck in our own head. So in order to get out of our head, we have to be asked questions or prompts that challenged us, challenges us to see things differently. So something could be like, okay, why, why is this showing up? How do you feel like what and ask them sensory questions and stuff so they could kind of be like oh okay I didn't think about it that way and then once you start pulling out those sensory sensory questions and etc you see how the story begins to come together or the poem begins to flow and then also helping them with their tonality because the way we speak outwardly can also be the way we speak inwardly if we're truly mm -hmm. listening yes yeah, I mean, we really get when we talk about a poem in a group, we kind of get a chance to see and hear one another's inner dialogue in a way that you wouldn't do sometimes even with like your most intimate friends. Um, and it scares people sometimes. And I also want to just say, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily about revealing something about yourself that's deeply personal. Sometimes it's, you know, revealing something about um, the character you've created or the poem you're creating. And, and so I think in the poetry salon, the relationships I have with my clients and peers there in some ways, um, you know, they know me better than anyone else does. And I know them better than like probably their family members because I know what their creative process is like. But in other ways, like, I don't know anything about them. I just know what their creative process is like, you know? So it's this funny little paradox. Uh, I would say it's kind of like a third world, you know? There's the world that you live in, there's the world that I live in, and then we create this piece of art. Um, and I'm getting to see what your art, artistic process is like, or what this piece of art is doing. And I'm getting to ask you some interesting questions about that piece of art. And sometimes the art really is reflective of your own life, but sometimes it's something different. It's not quite you, it's, it's a thing you're creating. So it's, it's great because we can be really intimate with each other, but still also have like 
this kind of boundary that keeps us all a little bit more um, safe and out of each other's hair, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So since, since you've had the poetry salon for 10 years, what are some of the challenges that you faced early on and how has that led to the successes you see now? Oh my gosh. Uh, challenges early on. I mean, there's, there's a couple of, um, there's a dozen different things I could point to. Uh, I think one of my big areas of learning has been about the way that poetry is meant to be left open for interpretation. And that's a feature, not a bug. As my husband likes to say, it's not a bug, it's a feature. Um, and I read a really wonderful book by Claire Morgan called What Poetry Brings to Business um, of All Topics. And she talks about how, you know, when we're, we kind of live in this world where we like to feel that there's certainty and we like to feel there's a hierarchy and it's like, well, your boss knows what's the right thing and the underlings listen to him and, and you know, some people are right, some people are wrong, some people are teachers and other people are students. But the thing about poetry is that it's a little more open-ended, it's open to interpretation. You might have a, a valid interpretation um, that's more valid or you know, equally valid as that of your boss. And so it kind of breaks down hierarchies and boundaries and um, allows people to communicate on a little bit more kind of allows us all to be honest about the fact that nobody really knows for sure what's going on. And so there's lots of room for all of us to equally be, um, have our opinions equally valid, which is very scary for a lot of people. We'd love to think that there's one person who knows it all and can tell us what to do and can lead us uh, but poetry sort of breaks down that hierarchy and makes us think like, you know, we're all in this on an equal playing field, um, equally trying to interpret something that's very difficult to interpret. And I don't mean poetry, just poetry, but I mean like all of us looking around here going like, what is this? What is life? Why are we here? And sort of like, we're all kind of equally lost together. Yes, absolutely. And since you are a poet yourself, do you have a piece that you want to share? Or do you have anything else regarding poetry or, you know, helping someone embrace their writing creativity that you want to share as an audible before we um, jump into the call to action? Yeah, you know, I actually write lots of long poems, um, but I've memorized a number of uh, shorter poems. So let me, let me pull one up out of my memory. And I'll, I'll give credit to um, Kim Rosen, a wonderful poet and mentor, uh, wrote a book called Saved by a Poem. And she talks about learning a poem by heart. Uh, so I'm gonna recite this roomy poem that's shorter. And it goes, inside water, a water wheel turns. We look at this night sky wondering, nope, nope, gonna start over. You don't have to be perfect. That's one of the things that I teach. <laughs> so this is a roomy poem. It goes, inside water, a water wheel turns. A star circulates with the moon. We live inside this night oceaning, wondering, what are these lights? You have said what you are. 
I know what I am. Your words in my head, my head in my hands. I have no word for what circles so perfectly. So that's uh, the Persian poet Rumi. The Persian poet Rumi. And then just to get a backstory, what prompted you to write this piece? Um, well, again, like, this is not a piece I've written. This is Rumi's um, poem. Um, but I will say what I love about it is that um, this is probably one of the first poems that I memorized or that I, you know, took into my bones and learned by heart. And I think it has to do with sort of distance and loneliness and the cosmic and the inability to really even express a feeling like Rumi is saying, uh, inside water, a water wheel turns, a star circulates with the moon. So we're looking up at the cosmos. Uh, you know, you have said what you are. I think he's talking to the divine there. I know what I am. And he doesn't say it, but I've always felt like that was sort of a, oh, the, the cosmos is so great. I'm a little bit less than in comparison. You have said what you are. I know what I am. Your words circling around my head, my head in my hands. It's just like, I have no word for what circles so perfectly. It's like, I just can't even, I can't even say all the things I want to say about the cosmos, divinity, the world around us, even my own emotional state. So it's a poem about not being able to quite write, <laughs> write the poem, which I think is a state that a lot of poets find themselves in. Amazing. And yeah. now we're gonna jump into the call to action, Tricia. So what is your call to action for the community today? If they're aspiring to write a poem or embrace their creativity via um, writing, or if they just wanna use writing as a way of therapy, because I can't begin to tell you that writing can be so therapeutic because mm -hmm. it allows you to get your thoughts out of your head onto paper and just embrace the flow. Yes, well, absolutely. And I'll give another uh, shout out to a book that I love called Writing as a Way of Healing uh, by Louise DeSalvo. And she quotes the researcher, uh, James Pennebaker, who basically said like writing 15 minutes a day um, lowers blood pressure and uh, can increase your health, mental and physical health. But he also gives this caveat, like it's not any writing. Um, and he gives some, some guidelines that I would say are basic guidelines that you would learn in any creative writing class. Like, don't just write about your problems because you're going to like spend 15 minutes just writing, uh, about how awful everything is. You probably won't feel better after that, but he advocates writing like a little bit more narrative. I feel this way because this happened, um, or saying like, you know, you're focusing kind of on the outward a little bit more so you get less stuck in your inner emotions and remember to ground yourself in um, the world around you. So um, what I always start with whenever teaching new writers is to focus on imagery. Things you see, hear, taste, touch, and smell kind of get out of your head a little bit and ground a little bit more in your body and objective reality. Um, so if you walk away with nothing else, 
uh, besides that, I'd say write for 15 minutes every day and focus on your five senses and, um, you know, cause and effect. Don't, don't just dwell on one problem, move through it, you know, and move through objective reality a little bit more. That can be very helpful. Um, and then of course, the other thing, and of course, I'm so biased about this, join a class. Uh, doesn't have to be mine, doesn't have to be the poetry salon, um, but find a group, write with friends, share your work with other people. Uh, it's not just the writing on its own that's so helpful, it's the sharing, it's building community, it's making friends with other writers uh, that I think um, can really lift us up and make life a lot easier. And um, I'll quote Kurt Vonnegut, who said, uh, giving some advice about life, he said, we are here to help each other get through this, whatever this is. And I think that's, for me, a big part of what the writing community does is it lets us help each other get through this, whatever this is. Amazing. And then, Trisha, how can the audience connect with you via your website and social media? Yeah, absolutely. You can find uh, my website, thepoetrysalon.com, www.thepoetrysalon.com. Oh, I just wanted to say, you know, you're right. We did start in Los Angeles and um, probably I need to update that on my bio, but we're now a fully online organization ever since COVID. Uh, you know, everyone's gone online and we're staying online. So now we have clients from um, all over America and, and some outside of the United States as well. So you can reach me and take classes with us online uh, at thepoetrysalon.com. You can find me at Tricia Faye Hefner on Facebook. I'm also poet Tricia, it's poet T-R-E-S-H-A at Instagram. And I think I'm also poet Tricia on TikTok as well. And I almost never use Twitter, but I think I'm like tf underscore hefner on twitter but don't find me on twitter find me on instagram or facebook or my website amazing and are all of your social media links um backlinked on your website sure yeah i think so well if not just send me the links and i will i will put them in the show notes just so we can have everything and audience we want to thank trisha hefner for being here and joining our community to share some of her creativity, her insights, and her subject matter expertise. Make sure you tap in with her. All of her contact information will be in this show notes. So just scroll on down and hit those hyperlinks and connect directly to her. And lastly, but not least, I want you to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. We're on 40 plus platforms. You could also see this video on our YouTube channel by going to GEMS. G-E-M-S with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And we are also looking for brand sponsors. This podcast is ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts. So if you want your brands and services heard in the top 2%, hit me up. You can find more info on my website, genesisamariskemp.net or sending me a personalized email to genesisamariskemp at gmail.com. Until the next segment, Next guest, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing one. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel. 
GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.